You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. All right, everybody take a breath. We should have some kind of transition between the announcements and the speaking. Let's do it this way. Everybody take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. I heard when you're stressed or when you're a little anxious, it's one reason is you don't have enough oxygen in your brain. I've been finding myself taking some deep breaths lately. I don't know about you. If you have your Bible, let's turn to uh, Psalm 24. Here's my intention for tonight. I want to give you several verses on two subjects of this verse that we're going to start with right here. This will be our verse for tonight. We mentioned it last week. Our goal on these Wednesday nights of January is to lean into praising on purpose. And so let's go after King David's famous verse from Psalm 27.4. King David said, of all the things I could ask for, of everything that I could purpose in my heart to do, I'm a king, I run a kingdom. I'm a father, I have a family. The one thing I'm asking, he says, is that I'm going to seek this one thing, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David doesn't just want to be a worshiper in his youth, he wants to be a worshiper till his dying day. He doesn't just want to have a, the, the middle ages of his life to be strong and on purpose for the Lord. He wants all the days of his life to be marked as someone who sought after God, who worshiped him in his house. He said, for these two purposes, I'm asking this one thing, that I could gaze on the beauty of the Lord and that I could seek him in his temple. So these are our two things tonight. I'm going to give you a lot of verses about these two things, gazing on the Lord And I'm going to change that word seek to what the other translations say, inquiring of the Lord. So gazing upon the Lord and inquiring upon the Lord. And I want to pray for us first. Lord, I ask you that by your mercy, you would make us a people of praise for your glory. And that this one thing that captured David's heart would capture our heart. That of all the things we could be spending our energy and our time and our life on, that this purpose would capture us, being near you, being in your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're in a theme throughout our church of on purpose, and on Wednesday nights we're talking about praising on purpose. Praising can look a lot of ways, but I want to encompass it tonight with these words of David. So let's do this first, the gazing upon the Lord. The gazing upon the Lord. Looking at Him. Studying Him. Are there anything, the Bible calls it meditating. It's like taking it in your mind and rolling it around. We'll start with this verse as we think about praising on purpose. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Don't go, I'm sorry, Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Then he explains it a little further. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty with your heart to utter anything before the Lord. God's in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. In the gazing upon the Lord, the writer of Ecclesiastes, in a similar vein of what David is saying, I just want to be in your house and I want to look at you. I mentioned last week, David had the Ark of the Covenant. He spent 
time, money, energy, and even the lives of a few people to get the ark into Jerusalem, into the temple. And he would go and sit in front of it, and he would just gaze at the fire of the presence of God between the cherubim. And he said, that's where I want to be. I want to be gazing at the beauty of God. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, when we come into praise, when we come into worship, let's be careful how we do it. Let's be on purpose and intentional. Let's not just stroll in here haphazardly. Don't be quick to just come in talking. Man, and everybody right now started praying for me. They're like, man, I think Matt goes to sleep talking, wakes up talking. And I'm going to tell you this, talk in my sleep also. Don't be hasty with your mouth. Oh, I got five minutes to pray and I got a list that's 10 minutes long. I better talk fast. The writer is saying, you're on earth. Being on earth means you were born and you'll die. You got some strengths, but they're turning into weaknesses real quick. Your moments in life is like the grass. It withers and fades away. There's a lot that being on earth means. God's in heaven. That means a lot. He's eternal, uncreated. Doesn't have a beginning. Doesn't have an end. He's everywhere at the same time. He's more powerful. He's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. There is a difference between us and God. Well, we mostly get that, don't we? The writer of Ecclesiastes says, when you're going into the house of God, when you're going to praise on purpose, keep this in mind. You're the created. He's the creator. So go first to gaze. Go first to listen. Go first into praise to understand, to get some knowledge imparted to you, or just to worship and just to see God for who he is. Don't run in there all, I got Wednesday night and I got a bunch of people I want to pray for and I need to get to it. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, don't be quick with your mouth, but rather bring your heart and come with the understanding that you're walking in before the creator of all things. I struggle with this because God's such a good father, he makes you feel like you can just jump on his lap anytime. And you can. But he's not just father, he's king and Lord and Yahweh and God Almighty. The one who was and is and is to come. All of creation is before his throne, bowing down and worshiping him. We are the people that he gave in his image, but the choice to worship or to not, to love or to not. So let your words be few. Come first to listen and to seek, and David would say to gaze upon him. Come with humility. Come with a proper perspective. You're there and I'm here. You're holy and I'm not. Let me give you some verses to go along with this, okay? I'm not going to talk about each verse a long time. Uh, Somebody, I feel somebody's praying right now. Lord, help our pastor's words to be few. <laughs> I told my class, I said, hey, I'm back and better than ever in 2023, but one thing hasn't changed. My jokes, they're still not that good. All right, Matthew 12, 36. I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. This is in the house of God and outside the house of God. So we want to be careful with our words. If we're going to live on purpose, praise on purpose, we want to be careful with our words. Let our words be few. Listen to this, Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise, it brings healing. And sometimes a wise tongue doesn't say anything. It's just present. So let's be careful with our words. 
gazing upon the Lord is like this psalm in verse, uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, to take delight in the Lord. David says, I want to go into your house and I want to gaze upon your beauty. I want to be delighted by that beauty. David was king in a kingdom that was huge in the world. He had all the gold, all the treasure, all the armies, and he was of the people of God. And it's all that he had to delight in, he would say, I want to delight in the Lord. Of all I could look at that my riches could afford, I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. The psalmist encourages us to take delight in the Lord. And then in that process, as we gaze upon him, as we delight upon him, he's going to fulfill the desires of our heart. Well, one of the things that happens in the transformation as we're in front of the Lord, our desires change. What we used to want, we want something else. We used to want this and God to just give us that. And now we become more and more the people who say, Lord, all I really want is you. And our desires change and he fulfills our desires, the desires of our heart. But also there's some things God's put in your heart that he wants you to ask him for and he wants to give you. And so we find that as we delight in him first. So those verses right there, that we would not be hasty with our words and that we would come to gaze upon the Lord first. That we wouldn't just come with a mouthful of what we're going to say, but maybe an open heart to what the Lord might say to us. Be quick to listen, the Bible says, and slow to speak. And I always think of the analogy because I've got, how many daughters do I have? It's a lot. And I always think, you can come in there all smooth and quick and talking all that or whatever, but they're smart. They've got a smart mom. Anybody can talk a good talk. But you want to, I tell my daughters, you stop and you look and you watch. Not what he's saying, but what he's doing. And I believe that sometimes the Lord, he doesn't, he's not quick to speak. And we come into his presence and we just sit there for a moment. And we may not hear anything, but just being in his presence. He starts to change us and he starts to speak to us and we start becoming different because we're near him. Just as if you were standing by a fire and you became warmer just because the fire is near you. Gazing upon the Lord. One thing I ask, one thing I seek. That I could dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And in that gazing, sometimes it's with a quiet and shut mouth but with open eyes. But the Bible also says in that verse to seek him in his temple or to inquire of him. So this verse in Hosea tells us about that. When you go to the Lord, take words with you, it says in Hosea. Verse 1 says, when you return to the Lord, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him. Forgive our sins and receive us graciously that we might offer the fruit of our lips. So this is the other side of the same coin. Are we supposed to talk or not supposed to talk, Matt? Because you like got me talking and not talking and now I'm talking again. No. We do come into the Lord's presence with something to say to him. And it needs to start the same place the quietness started with an understanding of who God is and who we're not. Or who we are without him and who we are in him might be a better way to say that. Hosea says, don't come in there just quiet like, well, I got an offering and I'm just going to be here and not say anything and I'll be over here in the corner. No, come with some words and you need to say to the Lord, forgive me for my sins. There needs to be a returning to God with our 
praise that we realize we're in need of him and that apart from him we can do nothing, but in him we can do everything. So it is coming with a quiet heart and a teachable spirit and to gaze upon him. But then there's also this place that David called the inquiring of the Lord where we bring words. Hosea said, take words with you. Take these words, forgive me, receive me, and I want to offer to you the praise of my lips. So what would that look like on a Wednesday night or a Sunday? I don't know. This one person or that one person or this section or that section may be full of words to bring to the Lord. And the other section may be in a place where they're just gazing upon the beauty. And that may change in the next song. In the next song, we're not looking around to see what everybody else is doing. But we want to monitor who we are and how we're doing it. We want that gazing and that quietness before the Lord. But we also want to bring him words. But we don't want those words to be hasty. We want them to start with, forgive me and receive me and help me. Here's what it looked like when it happened to Isaiah. In real life, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah went and saw the Lord. He went up to heaven somehow in a vision or he was transported. I don't know how that stuff happens. But he said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and exalted. He was seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the whole temple. So somehow, Isaiah saw heaven, and he was in heaven, and he saw the Lord in his temple. And he saw the seraphim covered in wings, flying, covering their faces, covering their feet, and flying with the other two. And in the presence of God, gazing upon God, with his eyes, he saw the Lord and listen to what was coming out of the mouth of the seraphim that saw the Lord. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There was a gazing that the seraphim was doing, and then there was a speaking of worship. So they saw who he was, and then they praised him for who he was. And it says that the sound of their voices, the doorposts, and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. There was worship going on. There was praise going on. And things happened because of who God was and because of the praise. When we worship, things happen. Things shake. Things move. Smoke happens. I don't know how, what all of this means, but I know this. When we praise, it moves things and it changes things. And it matters where God is. With God's presence and their praise, there was smoke and shaking and the temple was filled. And look what Isaiah says. So the angels and the seraphims, they see God and they speak. Isaiah sees God and this is what he speaks. Woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. You remember that verse that said, take words. And what words do you take? Forgive me. And that's the first thing Isaiah says. When he sees the Lord, I'm in trouble because me and where I live, we're nothing like what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing is so holy and so transcendent and so beautiful and so different. I'm in trouble. I shouldn't even be here. Not only am I a mess, but everywhere I'm from and everybody I know, they're a mess. I'm, I'm putting my translation on it. And he says, I have seen with my own eyes the King, the Lord Almighty. And Isaiah grew up being taught that there couldn't be any sin or no flesh that could see God. So he's totally expecting to die. And it says, 
that in that place of praise, in that place of gazing, and in that place of inquiring, in that place of looking at how holy God is and confessing that He's holy and we're not, it says one of the seraphim flew and with a live coal in his hand that he had taken from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, this has touched your lips, so your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This is what happens when we come into the presence of the Lord. When we have a moment with the Lord because of God's mercy, not because we produced it or made it happen, but in God's mercy, He allows us to enter into His presence. We gaze upon His beauty. We confess our need for Him and how He's not like us and He's glorious and we're not. And in that process, we become forgiven and we get healed and we get touched. You can tell somebody all you want, I forgive you, God forgives you. They may sense that guilt, and it may not take away their guilt. But if God touches their life, I talked to a man this week, told me some of his story, a life of living far from the Lord, things he had done that he was so ashamed of, and he was in church wrestling with that, and he was on a journey, he's trying to find forgiveness. He told me for weeks things, and was sharing. It was just an honor to hear his story and to know some things, to pray for him. But he saw me this week and he told me, Matt, the Lord gave me a vision. He said, Matt, the Lord touched me. He said, I don't know how to explain it, but I've been forgiven. Well, I could have told him in the Bible and I did. First John 1, 9, confess your sins and you're forgiven. I explained all the things I'm supposed to explain to him. But that didn't change how he felt or his existence or what was going on in his life. When the Lord touched him, he said, I'm different and I'm changed. This is what happens when we come into praise on purpose. If the Lord in his mercy meets with us, we see him and we speak to him and we confess and he touches us. And the forgiveness that your best friend or your mom or your pastor tried to tell you you have, it becomes real because God touches you. I need to come to the place of praise. I need to be touched. I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need to be restored. I need to be told who I am. I need God to tell me those things. Because if God tells me, that's believable. Because he transforms you at the same time. They touched Isaiah's lips. He said, I'm a people of unclean lips. And they touched his lips and then he had different lips. A different tongue. And in the place of praise and gazing upon the Lord, God touches our life. Has that happened to anybody? You've been in worship, you're like, I, you almost feel dumb trying to explain it. You're like, I mean, the older I get, the more I just go, hey, you know, never mind. Because as soon as I describe it, it's just less than it really was. Although I'm going to tell you this, tell your testimony and tell what God's doing. People need to hear it. Isaiah, gave, he did both things that David said. He gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. He spoke, asking forgiveness and praising God. Oh, you're different than me. And in that place, the Lord touched his life. I don't know about you. I need all of those touches I can get. But my point about my daughters and people that can just say stuff to them and all that is that the Lord's not a cheap date. We don't just drive through like McDonald's and say, hey, Lord, I need all that uh, that stuff Matt was talking about on Wednesday. Uh, I need another one of those moments I had with you the other day. No, it's sitting with the Lord and gazing. And in that transaction, sometimes in a moment like for Isaiah or sometimes over a process of time, God heals our life and touches our life. 
Is anybody different than you used to be? Yes. Sometimes you say, man, there was one night, it was this time, and I could tell you what happened. And then other parts of our life, you just turn around and look and go, man, I'm, I'm not who I used to be. And I don't really know when it happened, but God did it. Here's another example of what I'm talking about, the gazing and the inquiring. It's Revelation 4. It's real similar to what Isaiah saw, but John, a different man, gets taken up into heaven in Revelation. And he says that he saw the same thing, the seraphim, and they're praising God, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And verse 9 says, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And verse 10 says what happens to the elders that are around the throne. The 24 elders fall down before him, the one who sits on the throne, and they worship him, the one who lives forever and ever. The elders are around the throne, just like the seraphim. They're gazing upon the Lord. The seraphim say, holy, holy, holy. And the response of the elders, human beings saved by grace in heaven with the Lord, not created angels or beings, but the elders, their people in heaven, they fall down and worship God. And they cast their crowns before him. These are crowns that God gave them for their life they lived on earth as a reward. You could say they've been rewarded, like in Revelation, it said, for him who overcomes, I'm going to give him the crown of life. For him who overcomes, I'm going to let him be a pillar in my temple. For him who overcomes, I give him some of the manna and I give him the white stone. There's all these promises about these rewards for a life lived in surrender to the Lord. Well, these elders, they have a reward. It's a crown and a seat around the throne, and there's only 24 of them. And they see the Lord. And they get involved in the praise and the worship that's going on. And their response is to fall, to humble themselves. Now, I don't know who these 24 are, but there's only 24 of them. And I think everybody else is sitting behind them. So there's somebody in heaven. They're like the front row seats. I mean, I'm probably messing the whole thing up. But there's every tongue, tribe, and nation. But there's the 24 elders. You might say they were the the best 24. I don't know. I'm, it just seems wrong to describe it. They have a crown I don't have. They have a seat I don't have. They see the Lord and they're like, the crown is yours. The seat is yours. I'm on the floor. You and me are be looking at them like, I know who that is. That's one of the elders. We would be looking up to them. No, they're getting down and worshiping the Lord. Everything they have, they're like, it's nothing. It belongs to the God. To God, from him are all things, and to him are all things. He deserves the glory. We just sang it. Well, that's what's happening in heaven. But when you and I purpose to come into the place of praise, and when God's merciful in those ways where it's tangible and we can sense it, this happens to us. We just become undone. We just say, Lord, you're so worthy. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we feel nothing, but the truth is still the truth. That we are coming in front of the Lord and we're laying everything down. We want that transaction to happen. We want to gaze upon Him and we want to inquire of Him. And we want to seek Him in His temple. And we want to follow this example. You've been there before. Nobody had to tell you, you should kneel now. I mean, you may have found yourself 30 minutes later on the floor. You didn't even know how you got there. In a puddle of tears and everything that comes out of your nose and your mouth at those times, I remember. Sometimes you cry, there's no air to cry anymore. The presence of God, so close, your body almost can't deal with it. And if God wasn't so merciful, he'd come so close, we'd just probably implode or explode. 
but he comes near enough sometimes it just touches us and we're changed in a moment. I want you to take this verse and pray it over your own life and the people you love. I keep asking, Paul says, that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could know him better. When do you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation? When you're in the praise on purpose. When you're gazing and when you're seeking him. That's where the revelation comes from. I mean, every now and then it just sneaks up on you. You're driving, you see a sunset, and you're like, you've seen a hundred of them, but that one goes, catches you. And some, a little bit of the spirit of wisdom and revelation gets on you. The Lord says something to your heart, kind of like, I've never made a sunset the same ever. Every one of them's looked different. I remember when he told me that I was driving a bus in Belton. I was young. I saw a sunrise. In my heart, I knew God never painted the same sunset twice. And I thought, man, what creativity. How many days have there been? How many sunrises? Every now and then that revelation sneaks up on us, but most of the time it happens when we come into his presence And when we gaze upon him and when we seek him and inquire of him, pray this over your life. Lord, I'm asking that you would give me the spirit, that's a capital S, it means the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is the same thing David said in reverse order. The spirit of revelation that I would gaze upon you and see you like you are. God revealing God to our hearts. God making it make sense. Hey, at 8 o'clock, y'all are leaving, and I may just stay up here and keep talking to myself. I feel like if I give it a little bit more, I might cross over a line or something. The spirit of revelation, that's what's happening to the seraphim. When they see the Lord, things are being revealed to them, and they've been doing that forever. They're getting to see more of God each time. You don't get to the end of God. The spirit of revelation, Lord, when I'm worshiping you, let me see you. Tell me about you. Show me something. You tell me. You talk to me. You make me see it. Because if he reveals it to you, oh, it'll mark your life. And then the spirit of wisdom, that's the inquiring. God, I need to know what you know if I'm going to live correctly. I need to know what step to take, what path to take. When we come to praise, it's not a religious duty. It's an encounter with God. It's, God, here I am before you. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want your directions. I want your revelation. I want your wisdom. And sometimes it's just moment by moment, little piece by little piece. We didn't even know it happened. And then sometimes, oh, Lord, let it be that it knocks us to the floor, raises us off the floor, that we would know him better. What do they see when they gaze upon the Lord? Well, Psalm 16 says, at his right hand are pleasures that are eternal. There's beauty when we look at the Lord. Romans 11 says that the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his path beyond tracing out. When we inquire of the Lord, we're asking somebody whose riches are so deep, there's no end to it. His wisdom, his knowledge, so deep, there's no end to it. His judgments, meaning his directions and his way of knowledge and his paths, his say, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. There, you can't even, it's, it's unend, unending. Well, I'm good at talking, right? Let my words be few. 
James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask the Lord and he gives generously to all. We come into his presence, we praise, we worship, we inquire, Lord, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. And if we don't get the answer, I'll leave that place like this, hey, I'll be back. If you're not ready to tell me, I'm still ready to listen. We all know as parents, if you tell somebody something too early, it's not going to work out right. So the Lord's timing is perfect. I'll leave you with this one. Somebody told me this was God's telephone number. Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We want to praise on purpose. David said, I got one point in life. I want to seek God in his temple. For this reason, I want to look at him and know him. I want to see him and understand him. I want to gaze upon his beauty and I want to be transformed. And I want to ask him and I want to seek him and I want to understand him. Man, if, we, if I could stay focused on that when I come in here on Sundays and come in here on Wednesdays, I don't know if everybody would be different, but I'd be different. It'd be a place of encounter, a place prepared. I'd be ready. But it doesn't just happen here. It's in my home, in that chair, in my car. It's when I put those headphones in and find that worship music. It's when I open the word. It's when we seek him. And it looks different for all of us. So let's close tonight by, by just taking a moment, about six minutes, and I'm right on time to not be late. I'm going to play a song just like the one we sang a minute ago. And let's, for a moment, Let's just ask the Lord, Lord, I want to gaze upon you. I want to see you. Reveal something to me. Show me what you're like. Show me who you are. Show me how you look. Show me how you think. Show me what you say. Show me what you do. Show me what you want to show me. I want to know you. And then maybe toward the end, if you need to, you can ask him, Lord, I got some decisions and I I want my path to be your path. I got some things I need to do. I want you to lead me and to guide me. When the song's over, I'll say a quick prayer and dismiss you. One thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Lord, we make that our prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.